there are some complexities here that I think people are overlooking. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. 8-12 on this Thursday morning. We've got a stacked hour ahead for you on Wisconsin's Morning News. If your New Year's resolution is to finally get that new job or try a new career or what have you, or maybe the information we're about to share will push you in that direction, some fascinating new research unique to the eastern part of Wisconsin. We can lay out uh, the job market here as we enter 2024. In studio with us, we have the president of local business consulting firm LAK Group in Brookfield, Mike Grubich, in the house this morning. Good morning. Hello, Good morning. How are you guys? Awesome. So first things first, you witnessed some workplace uh do you, do you walk into every workplace and start analyzing people, how you talk to, overhearing conversations? Yeah, unfortunately, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. You start to notice those things regardless about just how people are behaving or what the what the mood is when you walk I in. See you can kind of sense it. see you beverage here today, so that's I good. I was, we're, yeah. we're clicking on all cylinders A good sparkling right tangerine. Good so karma good. brands. Very nice. There you go. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Well, I'll back into the research that you did and who provided the information in a moment, but let me grab people's attention here with a headline that I sort of came up with in the read that than I did uh, with the stuff you sent over. I would suggest it's this. Companies in Wisconsin, they're looking for good people. And if you want to get noticed and hired, the word I would use, Mike, is not easy, but the formula seems fairly simple. Some basic things you can do to make yourself attractive in this job market. Yeah, it, it, there really are. And, and it's, you know, one of the biggest things right now is social media. Everybody's looking at it. Any manager that is hiring someone, um, any company, HR team, they're looking at your social media uh, and simple things like your LinkedIn profile, making sure that it's up to date and and aligns with your experience, or you know, watching what you post because people look at that kind of stuff. It's it's a very common thing. And I, the other thing I would say is, take some time with your resume. Make sure you adapt it to the job that you're applying for. Uh, if you don't, a lot of times the company systems are going to kick your resume out anyway. But uh, managers that are looking at resumes want to see links to the job that you're applying for so that they can make that connection. So take the time to adapt. It's little extra work, but it, it's going to help you out all the, all the time. Bunch of stuff that you just said there that I want to unpack. Let's go to the social media thing first. 86% of these uh, hiring managers whom you researched here in Wisconsin, whom you surveyed, said they are checking social media. Yep. In addition to making yourself an attractive candidate on social media, aren't you stunned at how often people fail to take the steps to make themselves not unattractive on social media. In other words, go through and cleanse the stuff of you drinking or scantily clad or whatever. Right. Or at a bachelorette party right. or a bachelor party. Some of the photos that you took, you know, it's, it's These take those off of there. In our state telling you 86% saying we're checking well, this stuff. Yeah. So what would, what would a hiring manager prefer to see on a social media timeline? It's uh, well, and with social media, a lot of it is they're going to look at things like Twitter. They're going to look at your LinkedIn profile, your Instagram. If you have Instagram, they're probably not searching TikTok and things like that. I mean, some are, but um, they just want to see on your LinkedIn that, that you have the experiences you had that you've you're put together. You've described what you're doing in your career. A little bit about you, your your narrative, um, but but their managers are looking for narratives, right? As humans, we we think through stories, and so they 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 look on your social media. They look at your LinkedIn. They try to get a story around you, not just what's on your resume. And so they that's what they look for: little signs that create that narrative in their mind. Is this person going to be a fit? Not as much technically for my job, but culturally and can work with me and the others on the team. 
Mike Grubich is with LAK Group. Uh, they surveyed hundreds of local business leaders, managers, people who hire here in southeast Wisconsin, including Madison and Green Bay as well. I thought it was interesting, too, how many of these hiring managers, Mike, were telling you that we are using third-party uh, recruitment sites or these other things uh, we're not necessarily doing all of this work in-house, so if you are out there in the job market looking, you have to maybe be with some of these um, third-party people to put your information out there. Yeah, it, it, still the best way to get the job that is best for you is networking and, and getting to know people. The, a lot of jobs, especially more senior jobs, director and above in organizations, a lot of people know about them before they're even posted because of their network. And some of those jobs aren't even posted in companies. They don't post senior level jobs. Uh, so getting out there, talking to people, working with recruiters so that you're in their database when jobs come up, they can reach out to you. And if something's of interest, it works for you. Um, don't wait and just search job sites for jobs. Start talking to people. Get get your resume out there. Have lunch with people. Talk to people. Uh, virtually, you can have so many conversations so much more efficiently today. Uh, but the more connections you have, that's the best way to get in there. I, I, I will tell you in my career, I've had uh, four different companies I've worked for. I've never once applied for a job. Um, I was I recruited a couple of times. Others, it was people I knew in the organizations. But I've never actually gone through an application process because I used my network the whole time. So, Can I ask about the coffee badging thing? Yeah, please. <laughs> So Vince brought up the story a couple of weeks ago that people are coffee badging now, which essentially means... First of all, I love all the terms we come up with yeah, right. to describe the, the workers. The, yeah, right. The quiet yeah. quitters, the bean... Well, this is my the term. Bean. You can use it, Mike, if you want. The beanbag sitter. There you go. <laughs> Those are the people who are at work. They are... Uh, you know, availing themselves of all the accoutrement, the company coffee, the this, yeah. the, the uh, pinball machine. Might be the pickleballer. You might have to get a pickleball uh, one in there, too. Now, that yeah. guy's very different. He's, no, he's okay. <laughs> he works very hard. Well, coffee badging is basically when someone who has been working from home uh, is told by the company or the business, hey, need you coming in at least two days a week now or whatnot because we want to start bringing that back and, and having people in the office. And that person basically just badging in, using their badge to get in, having a cup of coffee or two and hanging out and then saying, you know what, all right, I'm out. And making their appearance because the company is telling them to, but then going back home. Yeah. Is, that, yeah. is this happening? Is uh, it-, it, it, it is a real thing. Um, I think in most cases people are coming in and spending a couple hours in the office and then then it's, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go finish the day from home. It's, you know, they make an appearance. They know that they need to have those connections right. and those relationships. So whatever they can do to be in there and then get back to the the safe place of, of their home office. Yeah. But you're always bullish on the worker. You say, you know, some of these stories are overblown about how lazy our workforce is or, you know, people don't really want to do their jobs. And I'm always... I, I don't Vince know, I feel, is the opposite. I, I, right. <laughs> I feel that way. But I always everybody. feel better after talking to you because you you do believe that most people want to work hard and do a good job. I absolutely believe that. that 95% of the workforce... Is are really want to do the right thing. Maybe they're not matched well in the job that they are in, and and are trying to figure out how to get out of that. Or maybe the manager in them or other colleagues on their staff don't have the right connection. But I I, I have not run into very many of those just bad employees that you don't want to have around. I think most people genuinely want to do that, and I've experienced it in my career in the roles that I've been in really big companies where you just have someone who is not performing, you shift them to a different manager or a different function. Before you know it, they're on the succession list because they're just a star. Uh, it, it People genuinely want to do the right thing. That's a great point to, to follow up on. Last thing for you, Mike, and we're talking with Mike Grubich. She is the president at LAK Group in Brookfield. Another thing that you say 
very often that I think is instructive to people who are in management, who have oversight over people, is so often people don't quit jobs, they quit managers. Yep. And so for that mid-level and higher group who has people underneath them, who's working with them, thoughts on how they retain and work with their people? Yeah, I, I, you know, first it's humility. <laughs> as, as a leader, you just got to be humble in the fact that you you don't do everything. You need and depend on people to do that. And so find out what they like to get involved in and let them try that stuff. And you got you to gotta have that willingness to, to let people make a mistake and help them recover. Mistakes aren't bad. They're learning experiences. As humans, we learn when we make mistakes. And so, but for me, if, if I could get leaders to have one thing, it's that humility, that humbleness, that humility, um, it's the differentiator and people will follow you if you are humble and, and are able to, you know, teach them how to do things, but then allow for them to take the lead and, and do the work themselves. I oh, really appreciate seeing you, Mike. Always interesting advice. And uh, where can folks find out more? I know you have a bunch of blogs that you always write. There's a lot of free advice that you give out on your website at LAK Group. Yeah, I mean, whether reach out to us at lakgroup.com. Um, you know, we have our book that we just published on the career side, uh, Career with Purpose, that answers a lot of these questions. But, uh, you know, we're there to support. We do a lot of coaching with individuals who are looking for their next career step. Um, it, and give us a call. We'll help you find what's perfect for you. And, and you, you need enjoyment in your career if that's a, a important part of life. So, Happy New Year, my friend. Great ha- to see you. Yeah, Happy New Year to both Great of time. you as well. Thanks for having me. 821 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty-five on Wisconsin's Morning News. The University of Wisconsin System Board of Regents unanimously voted in a closed-door session to fire the chancellor at the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, Joe Gao. And former Chancellor Gao is on the line with us, the Tri-County Contracting Hotline, this morning. Uh, Dr. Gao, thank you so much uh, for agreeing to talk with us this morning. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So my first question to you is the the board fired you or basically demoted you from your position as uh, chancellor there at UW-La Crosse for... uh, various internet postings on social media and things that tie you and your wife to the production of salacious videos and the porn industry. My first question for you is, are you surprised that the board took this action, given how very public that activity was? Well, it, when in that activity, which also includes writing books, um, and you know, these are serious works that we examine consensual adult sexuality. So we would think that would be protected by the First Amendment. Um, but we don't identify ourselves we, as being affiliated with the university or my role as chancellor. Those things are done as private citizens. But Chancellor, let me let me respond to that immediately. Eric and I, we do a talk show here, and I have a private life outside of when I turn off this microphone. But there is no question that our company holds us to a standard of behavior out in public. I'm never not the host of this radio show, as you're never not the chancellor at UW La Crosse. So while you don't explicitly tie your uh, other dealings to your role as chancellor, wouldn't you agree that you have a certain standard out in the community? Well, let's say that we make that association, and I'm an educator, and we have a concept called academic freedom and freedom of uh, thought and ideas, and so that's what we're operating under. So I think the board is not upholding, A, the First Amendment, nor is it upholding its own policy on academic freedom 
Or is it upholding a very rich tradition at the University of Wisconsin of what's called the fearless sifting and winnowing in the search for the truth? So there are some complexities here that I think people are overlooking. But something changed recently, right, Dr. Gow? Like at first with uh, your books or with the videos, they weren't as public? Or, or was it something where you decided recently? I thought I saw in your statement that this was something where you had decided to make it more of a public activity recently, and then that ultimately led to the termination yesterday? Well, I wouldn't say more of a public activity, but more um, widely available, yes. Okay. And, and, you know, let's remember that nobody is forcing anybody to read anything or watch anything they don't want to. So you, you have to be interested in this kind of material to go out and find sure. it. So it, it really is, you know, kind of, uh, I, I, I don't know what people are objecting to. Well, I guess what I would say to that, like for, I, I'll speak for Vince, I think, because I think he agrees with me, you know, anyone can do whatever they want, you know, as, as far as what they're doing legally, that's their own business. So you, you and your wife doing this, that's your business. I'm not going to, you know, challenge that or question that it, it, to each their own, if you will. But I guess for, for me, it goes back to lacrosse. Is it, is it possible that this can hurt the credibility of the institution? You know, if someone is considering applying or right now, if you Google UW lacrosse, this is probably going to come up. And would that actually hurt the institution? Well, look at and I don't, Eric and I have kids who are of that age or they're making these college choices. And, you know, if it can be seen by the Board of Regents that this would negatively impact the ability to recruit to lacrosse or for families to feel comfortable sending their kids there. I would, I would suggest that might be a legitimate reason to, to look at your employment there. I don't think that's the case. And why I say that is because five years ago, we had an adult film actress, uh, Nina Hartley, come and speak at our campus. And there was quite a controversy. And, uh, you know, much as there is now, and enrollment went up after that. So that might suggest that um, college-age people are interested in being somewhere where they have the freedom to explore sexuality. Fair enough. Uh, so the, the, it's called Sexy Happy Couple, right? So that is your account name. What's the ultimate goal? Are you, are you like Food Network or something like that? Is there a hope to make this larger, like a, a syndication or something like that? Well, I'm glad that you got that because most people don't. I mean, a big part of what we're doing is cooking vegan food, and my wife is an outstanding cook, and I think the world should see that, and who knows where that might lead. And I'm just the husband in that, and that's why I say it's more of a you know, private citizen kind of thing than acting in an official capacity. Uh, Dr. Gao, in terms of how you move forward with the University of Wisconsin system, or now Universities of Wisconsin, uh, I, have, you, have you got a lawyer? Are you considering litigation? Is that something that, uh, are you going to continue to fight this? Well, I'm very concerned that there was no due process around this, and what that entails is having a hearing, and I get to know what I'm charged with, and then I get to reply and make my case. That never happened. So, um, certainly, I, I'm very concerned about that, and we'll look into my legal options. And then the other uh, question about the First Amendment freedom uh, being violated there, too, that may have uh, legal consequences. So if you were, like, smoking marijuana in a video, would that be different than this? I don't quite understand your example. 
Well, I'm just trying to think of something else that is, I mean, it's not illegal in many places to consume marijuana. So if you went to Minnesota and did something like that, something that could be considered, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? I, am I, am I, is these apples and oranges? I'm not trying to compare marijuana to sex or anything like that, but I'm trying to find something that someone may object to or may question, but not yeah. illegal. Well, okay. I, I think I have a better um, example, but again, not perfect. But there was a time when um, sports gambling was certainly illegal and viewed as immoral and wrong. And look where we are today. So I think sexuality is very similar, although it's never been illegal. But, um, you know, people are getting a little more comfortable uh, with it and talking about it as you know, we are here right now. I want to ask you about, in terms of pornography, and and again, as Eric indicated, he did represent my view on it, but you do you, and if you're engaged in a legal thing, which, you know, much of the content that is available to people is entirely legal, so that's your business, but in terms of the damage that it may have on people, people who become addicted to it, people who uh, have problems or take it from what is once legal and then go into these darker areas where some of it is illegal. It involves trafficking or children or the like. I mean, your association with something that might be a gateway to those other darker things, Dr. Gao, I think is also troublesome for someone who might lead one of our universities. Well, now that is something that actually is what motivated us to make our material. And I don't know whether you've seen any of it, but it's, not violent it's not um unethical it's not exploitative it's you know a couple uh, and we're both you know i'm 63 years old and my wife is in her late 50s so there's no issues around um you know young age or anything like that so yeah i i, I can't not defend all of uh pornography certainly don't want to but our work i certainly will Dr. Joe Gow, we certainly appreciate your time, and uh, we'll see what uh, comes next, and stay in touch. Okay, thanks for hearing me. Uh, that is Dr. Joe Gow. He w- was unanimously voted by the UW Board of Regents to be fired from his position as Chancellor at UW-La Crosse, sharing his perspective. And again, I, I think it's clear, Eric, we haven't heard the last of uh, how he plans to fight I'm this. going to move forward with this one. It is 8.34 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight forty-three on Wisconsin's Morning News. This much I appreciate. Dr. Joe Gao was fired as UW Lacrosse Chancellor and came on this year radio program to explain himself. And I appreciate that he did that. Kind of disagree with him on in terms of whether or not it should be surprising at all that someone who's linked to the porn industry and by linked I mean like some of the things not explicit videos. What we were able to see was. Not explicit. He's bringing in porn stars and whatnot to do a cooking show with he and his wife. Yeah. But they're talking about some salacious stuff. They're talking about sex, too. Right. But then in links that are connected to that, you can mm-hmm. actually see he, him. On some OnlyFans sites and also some porn websites. So the Board of Regents decided, okay, got to go. I, didn't, I hope you and I didn't come off prudish. Yeah. You I, know, like, again. <laughs> to each their own. Right. And, right. Uh, consensual activity, and if you, you know, if you want to 
pay for that stuff or, or view it or whatever. No one's sitting here in this studio is trying to be holier than thou. Like, well, how could you? Nah, yeah. But, you know, have. consuming it to some degree or whatever versus starring in it are very different things. I was surprised to hear him say that he was surprised <laughs> that the university system eventually said, hey, look, we right. got to go. Um. But they've been up for a while, these videos. He's written books under a pseudonym with his wife on this. So, if, You know what this, this seems like to me? Somebody who's really interested in doing something that's not your core job, right? If you're into that and that's what you want to do and you want to get a cooking show with porn stars or whatever, then go have at it and let somebody else run the University of Wisconsin. We're thrilled course. to have the one and only Will Pounder on our show. <laughs> right? If you and Will Pounder want to do a show. Yeah, right, fine. fine. Go and do it, a show. And Great. it sounds like there there is... So there's actually a market for it. There's an audience no there. Doubt. Um, but whether or not my question really was, does this hurt the, the credibility of the institution? And he had an interesting response to that as well. He said, hey, don't forget, you know, five or six years ago, I got reprimanded because we had an adult porn star speak, you know, come and be a guest speaker yeah. at some event. And he said, and our enrollment went up after that. Now, who knows if you can... <laughs> Probably direct causal relationship. <laughs> right. but, I, okay, but to his know, point, like, yeah. did it hurt? Clearly it didn't. 8.45 on Wisconsin's Morning News. I will mention uh, the podcast page is active, and Greg Pancake Hill, who produces the program, uh, has that entire interview up right now. You can text the word Vince, yeah, the name, V-I-N-C-E, <laughs> Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. Just text Vince to that. We'll send you a link to the podcast page, and you can listen to our interview with Dr. Joe Gow, formerly the Chancellor at UW-Lacrosse. Yeah, another big interview coming up, too. Yeah, coming up. Uh, so we have the passing of Senator Herb Cole, and former owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, of course, and local philanthropist. We're going to talk with someone who had a really unique opportunity as a young person because of Senator Cole. We'll get his reflections on the late senator next on Wisconsin's Morning News. 849 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Milwaukee Bucks saying they will plan to honor the late senator, philanthropist, and former team owner Herb Cole at a memorial in the coming weeks. So we'll wait for the Bucks uh, to let us know what that is going to look like. You'd expect some very large public service as folks want to pay tribute as uh, Senator Herb Cole has passed away. On the Tri-County Contracting Hotline this morning, childhood friend of mine, Brian Randall. He's a local attorney, and we had you on last, Brian, to talk about an opportunity that you had because of Senator Cole. You served as a Senate page Remember back when we were in high school, and that was an opportunity you had because of the the relationship that you had with now the late Senator Cole. Thanks, Vince. Good to be on this morning. And and yes, I had several touch points with Herb Cole in my life, ranging from quite simple to having that role in the uh, career that I have today. As you mentioned, I was a Senate page in 1991, and at the time, 17-year-old junior in high school, appointed by the senator to serve as a page. Pages do a lot of uh, things on the Senate floor from distributing amendments to doing uh, water glasses of water and, and providing things to keep the Senate functioning on a, on a day-to-day basis. But he was in his first term of office and not all senators could appoint a page. So what he did was a very fair and generous system. It was fair in that he had his staff use an application and interview process, which was a pretty heady experience for a high school kid that I had to go through, but it meant that they really didn't have political patronage rewards for the kids who were Cole Pages. The the Cole Pages really wanted to be there to live government and experience all of that. And he was also generous in that way, too, because he split up the typical six-month Senate page appointment into two-month stints, 
really to give more kids a chance to be in Washington, D.C., to see the nation's capital and to watch government at work. And so I, I had the privilege of, of doing that with uh, Senator Cole back in the 90s. How would you handicap his political career, Brian? I, I said earlier this morning, if you look at the three pillars of, of Herb Cole's life, or maybe even four, four pillars, as a businessman yeah. as well, but then, of course, as a senator, philanthropist, and then his affiliation and ownership of the Milwaukee Bucks, I'd put politics last on that list. I don't think of a signature piece of legislation or you know things that he did in the U.S. Senate. It almost seemed like that was something he also did. I would agree with that, but yet he was very effective in a quiet way. And, you know, the Senate with 50 states being represented, two senators each state, there can be challenges to make a mark. And what I think Herb Cole did was embrace his personality, which was a relatively quiet person, but very smart, and found a way to do that for Wisconsin and do good for Wisconsin and be effective through the halls of the U.S. Senate. But I also think it wasn't for himself. He wasn't doing things to try to make a name for himself. And so I think that's probably part of the reason why then there aren't those namesake pieces of legislation or things that we can all point to. But the successes and and the programs for Wisconsin farmers, things for small businesses, and even just things for the people. Like I remember Herb's superb milk house at State Fair. And buying <laughs> right? five yes. cents. A legacy. Cups of, uh, chocolate milk. A legacy, yeah. Strawberry milk wasn't for me, but the chocolate milk was quite good. Five pillars now. Right. <laughs> All right, a fifth pillar, yes. <laughs> I, you know what I've noticed just uh, in the last day uh, since news broke of his death is just like how many people have texted or commented on just his overall kindness. And, you know, one example that's popped up is with the Bucks when he sold the team that he gave different cash bonuses to all of the Bucks employees and a letter thanking them. That was just his style. Well, and I have my own personal example for his kindness, which really formed a, a considerable way of, of the career that I have because I'm a partner at the Milwaukee office of the Amundsen Davis Law Firm, and I handle local government law matters for my clients. So my work with government and in government still continues to this day. But to reach this point, after I was a Senate page, I asked Senator Cole, from after being his page, if he knew any Milwaukee law firms where I could find a summer job after high school graduation, just needed a summer job. Help a kid he out. Said, Help a kid out. And so he did. He said, call Bob Freebert and John Finnerty. Uh, he'd worked with them for many years through the Democratic Party and, and give him a call. And when I sat through that interview with their office manager, she looked at me and said, I don't usually hire high school students, but if Senator Cole is referring you, I'll give you a chance. And that was my first job at a law firm, which turned into being a law clerk, being a young associate, and really formative, uh, a foot in the door that Senator Cole kicked in for me. Last thing for you, Brian, we're talking with Brian Randall, who served, uh, he just told you how he got his start in law here, partially in thanks to the late Senator Cole and also served as a Senate page under Senator Cole. You, having been around him, know as well as anyone the humble means by which he lived. Senator Cole was a wealthy man, but you'd never know it if you ran into him like I did when I last saw him at Solly's. He was sitting there reading the paper and was nice to my kids. Is he wearing a Bucks hat? Right, wearing a Bucks hat probably, (laughs) and one of maybe two or three suit coats that he owned. He was very humble and lived in humble means. Vince, you're exactly right, and I was thinking about just that example this morning. Uh, My experience was not at Sally's, but it was at Ma Fisher's on the east side, my most recent experience. 
with my boys probably a couple of years ago, the last time I saw him, but there was Senator Cole in his Bucks hats after he sold the team, but he was very approachable. And I went up with my young boys and said, Senator Cole, this is Nicholas. This is Lucas. Want to introduce you. He immediately engaged with them and asked them questions, not just about sports and about the Bucks, but truly was engaging and interested in people. And so I think that is representative of who he was and, and why he served in office. But those other pillars that you talk about, the charitable work, the foundations, he really found ways to give back, sometimes in a very quiet way, but certainly very important. Appreciate you sharing that with us this Good morning, stuff. Brian. See you soon. Thank you, guys. 855 Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. We're thrilled to have the one and only Will Pounder on our show. <laughs> All right, more on that in a second. Let me, do, <laughs> let me do the forecast quick. WTMJ forecast sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. We'll be dealing with this rain-snow mix until it turns to all rain this afternoon and a high of 42 degrees, 37 low tonight. This uh, rain-snow mix or whatever it is through the day should be tapering off later this evening. Right now at 39 degrees in Milwaukee. She's Carmen. And he's Joe. And we are the, the Sexy Happy Couple. And this is Sexy Healthy Cooking, your go-to show for plant-based food. Now, if it were just that, <laughs> you could say that that could be, be okay. guess, That's survivable right. as a chancellor of a major university. Okay, so maybe I missed this. Is there a connection between the cooking stuff and the porn? Is, is, is it the, Yes, there they, is. Well, they talk to adult porn stars. About and cooking? And sex. Are they wearing clothes when they're talking about it? Fully they clothes. are. There is some, some grabbing and There's fondling. some innuendo. And then in... there's also explicit XXX videos per their summary on their page where you can go and see some of that stuff, too. So they link you. They offer you the link mm. to, and, and again, to we, we had the former chancellor, I heard some Dr. It, yeah. Joe Gao, on the program today, answered questions from Eric and me, and I respect the fact that he did come on the show yeah, it was great. and answer those it was questions. Great. Appreciate it. Um, and, and his point was, we're not forcing anybody to look at this. We're not f- forcing anybody to see this. We're not putting it out in a place. And to the explicit stuff, there was a link that you could go and sign up for but more. But the question things. is, is that hurting the integrity and the credibility of the is institution? Is that the look you want for right. Do you want porn person. attached to the UW Well, and that system. was my point in that if you Google lacrosse today, what's going to come up? This. Now, he made some, I thought, a lame argument about how uh, you know attendance went up after after the last time. Seriously, that's that's what you're hanging your hat on? <laughs> this is Just coffee. you? You talk about a guy who's really like in love with himself. He took credit for that, even though it had nothing, probably nothing to do with it. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> chancellor, former chancellor. Well, he's considering his options legally. Oh, oh sure he is, then. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I said to E, too, I didn't want to come off prudish. Like, look... Yeah, to each their own. Everybody do their thing, and yeah, I'm you do hardly going to suggest I've never seen like that. You know, mm-hmm. like, okay, right? So, not saying that, but right for the head of an institution as important as one of one of our, you know, one of the crown jewels in the system. I mean, lacrosse, other than UW Madison, I think that's the toughest school to get into. It seems right? though like a logical connection because oh. Marines are so physical, mm. and to do the kind of work that you do, you know, you got to be in great shape and have a lot of stamina. And yeah, I mean, they kind of. We play in the same ball court, I, should, I would say. That's Will Pounder he's talking to there. Yeah. <laughs> Famous Will Pounder. Look, if you're introducing the, your guest as, here comes Will Pounder, maybe, I don't know. Right. So I'm going to take it this direction. When someone asks you if a chancellor should be involved in porn or someone asks you about a... Uh, what the, what the Civil War was about, there, there's a right answer to both of those questions. <laughs> That's what's coming up. Uh, the entire interview with uh, the former chancellor at UW Lacrosse, Dr. Joe Gao, is on our... Um, 
Old National Bank talk and text line, or, sorry, on our podcast page, you can get to that by texting Vince to 855-616-1620. I feel like we had really great chemistry. Yeah, we had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Business headlines. Okay. Oh, there's more. Lucky guy. That's all I'll say. Right? <laughs>